the West don't want to hear this our side of the narrative. And some some people would just say, oh, Palestine again. What kind of resistance did you face while you were trying to distribute this film? It was really difficult to find the financing for the film. From the very beginning, I had many people telling me you have to change or else the film will go nowhere. And Toronto was brave enough to take it. Distributors, everybody was afraid. So it was a very, very tough journey to have this film see the light. It's it's fun that now it's uh, not only unless like, like people from around the world are, are sending me messages that they watched the film and subhanAllah, I mean, I wanted to make Farha, but I kept saying it's different. People will see Palestinians as humans in this film. So You know, it's so interesting these days. Once you say you're from Palestine, it's as if you're making a political statement. Okay, uh, Darin Salam, thank you so much for being on the Pulp Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Yasmin, for having me. Pleasure to be with you. So you are the writer and the director of the 2022 uh, historical drama Farha uh, that is now on Netflix. It has been on Netflix since since December of last year. And guys, I just want to say before we get into this conversation, if you haven't watched this film, please do so because there's going to be a lot of spoilers um, because we're going to get like into uh, I have a lot of questions for her and, and she's going to um, give a lot of information about the film. So do watch it. Uh, so just to read the stats of this film, Darina, I'm just going to go through the stats of of, you know, the awards and um, everything you've accomplished in the past uh, two years. Uh, so Farha has a 91 percent uh, rating audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 8.1 on IMDb. And it's the 2021 winner and special men- of the Special Mention Award at the Red Sea International Film Festival and the winner of the Best Youth Feature Film Category at the 2022 Asia-Pacific Screen Awards and many more nominations. It premiered uh, at the Toronto Film Festival on September 14, 2021 and began streaming on Netflix on December 1st, 2022. The film, have I got everything correct so far? I mean... There are many things that you can read about the film online, but yeah. thank you for sharing some stuff about the film. I mean, <laughs> by the way, there is way more nominations and way more awards, but like I'm just giving you the I'm giving everyone the basics. And of course, you can see all the echoes. Of course, but everything you said is, is right, is correct. Okay, perfect. The film is Jordan's submission in the Best International Feature Film category at the 95th Academy Awards, also. So huge congratulations to that. That's amazing. Darin, when you first started making this film, uh, we know that filmmaking is an exhaustive process. There is a lot of struggles and a lot of challenges along the way. When did you feel like in your process that you thought this film could really go far? Was there a moment where you're like, okay, this might be huge? While shooting the film, you mean? Yeah, during the production stage, because sometimes... I think there's a lot of anxiety, obviously, while you're filming and while you're in the pre-production phase and while you're in the post-production phase. Was was there a moment where you were like, okay, we got this? (laughs) Yeah, good question. Actually, I think, uh, Yasmin, when I I started making the film or uh, working on Farha, I never thought of um, how successful it will be uh, or what awards uh, will it win. Actually, I was only focused on how amazing it is to uh, to these moments and and scenes that I dreamt of are coming to life. That was the most exciting thing. Uh, but I think one of the the moments that I really remember was when one of the crew members behind the the, the monitor 
got emotional while we're shooting a scene. Actually, more than one scene, but I remember this specific scene uh, when the family was, we don't want to spoil, we don't, we don't want it. any spoilers. But, yeah, but I mean, it's the family scene, mm -hmm. uh, the Palestinian family and um, the baby. But I remember that some, like one of the crew members was really emotional. And I was thinking, although like these people know that it's just a scene that we're shooting and they felt something. So I felt that hopefully people will feel, because to me, if a film doesn't have, if there's no emotions in a film, if, if mm. you leave a film not feeling anything, then you failed as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was, I felt relief. You've, yeah, like your job was kind of, you were, you were on the right track, Kiani. Yeah, I felt that. Uh, but as I said, like being sincere and truthful and just doing something that you believe in, although doubt is a very important thing and it's part of our i believe an, an artist without doubt is like is not a real artist <laughs> we need doubt we need to doubt ourselves and and our art so we can give our best uh, but again if you're sincere and if if you're like not faking anything mm -hmm. you're just being truthful people will feel with you i think you know before your film came out I never saw a film about the 1948 Natwa on a, like a VOD, like a like Netflix, for example, or an Apple or a, a binge or like one of those kind of um, streaming services. Was that a goal of yours to create a film that could be streamed in that way? Actually, yeah, not only on Netflix. In general, when I was when I wanted to make the film, I, I started looking and doing some research and I found out that there are no movies that take place in 1948 and maybe rare rarely you can find a couple of movies and they're not focused only on Nakba and this made me even more loyal to this and made me more like convinced that I because many people told me uh, why don't you make it about uh, I mean why 1948 why can't you make it about something more fashionable like a Syrian girl or something else and 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 this made me want to make it more Mm. Uh, and be loyal to 1948 and to, to the story of uh, the Nakba. Yeah. Are you Palestinian yourself? Where are you from? Yeah, I'm Jordanian of Palestinian roots, like many uh, Jordanians. Uh, I'm from Ramle, originally. Okay. I have to say that my father is older than the occupation. Oh, really? <laughs> he was, yeah, he, he, he was six months old in 1948. He, he and his family had to leave uh, during the Nakba events. So... Making a film that explores th these sensitivities, these historical, I mean, I hate to actually say that word. It's not like historical sensitivities. It's a historical f fact in a way. Um, and it, it, political topics, um, these things can often lead to pushback. What kind of resistance did you face while you were trying to distribute this film? Distribute the film actually from the very beginning. Okay, yeah. Let's go back from the, even from the writing. I'm sure while you were trying to secure funding, it, it must have been a... It must have been challenging. It was really difficult to find financing for the film. From the very beginning, I had many people telling me, you have to change, uh, remove the scene, the killing scene of the family, and um, or else the film will go nowhere. So yeah, I like we faced a lot of difficulties. Funds would be really afraid to associate the, like, the name of the fund with uh, Farha. Uh, but also after the film was done, Festivals were afraid to take it, to take it on. 
for the world premiere and Toronto was brave enough to take it. And then sales, distributors, everybody was afraid to take this film. So it was a very, very tough journey to have this film see the light. I mean, it wasn't easy because, and, and it's it's funny that now it's uh, not only on Netflix, like, like people from around the world are, are sending me messages that they watch the film and subhanAllah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm also curious, what would be the reason they would give you for not being able to back your film? What would they tell you? Would they say we can't because it's too politically sensitive? Yeah, some people would worry especially um, the West don't want to hear this, our side of the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and some, some people would like just say, oh, Palestine again. They wouldn't want right. to just, they're bored of this. Uh, but this is why I was, I wanted to make Farha because in Farha, you saw the film, it's different. It's a different language. And this is why I insisted and I kept saying it's different. People will see like Palestinians as humans in this film. So. But it took, yeah, I mean, they were just uh, worried. And I think also they didn't know, they didn't like see what I was seeing. They were afraid also of this one place, one location. Uh, one girl in this place, 52 minutes of the film happening in this location. Yeah. Like they weren't sure how it will become, how will like the output. Was there anyone who you approached and who were really resistant at the beginning who later changed their mind? Was there like any, yeah? yeah? Okay. Okay. Actually, not not uh, like after the film was out. Okay. I met them and they they like they didn't say it, but I felt that they were like, okay, now we see what you meant. Did they approach even you? crew members? By the way, even what? <laughs> Some crew members. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> Some crew members also were not. So who were afraid of of um, of this challenge of having. The film happening in one place and 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 like dark scenes and dark moments. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting these days because once you say you're from Palestine, it's as if you're making a political statement. And actually, you're just saying you're from Palestine. That by itself can rub people the wrong way. So the fact that you made a film about it and you made a film about the um, about 1948 is, is huge. Um, so congratulations for that. I would be because I was going to ask you. You know, was there ever a time while you were writing it inside of you ever like won a little bit? Did you ever feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't make this film? Did you have any doubts? So when I when I started working on the film, I I always said I'm not making I'm not a politician, I'm an artist, I'm not making a political film, although it it is like and now it became like very political and people started talking about it in a political way but when I started making the film and thinking about it I wanted to make a humane story mm. uh, a story that could happen anytime anywhere but if you like fear is a big word not fear because when you're when you're telling the truth when you're saying something that you're confident about mm. you don't feel afraid but I think I was concerned at some point throughout the journey actually yeah. I was concerned that they will kill the film or suffocate the film and the journey of the film before it starts. Yeah. Uh, it was a concern. And when I was like, when the distributions also started and festivals were afraid to take it on and then distributors, I was, maybe at some point I was confident that, that like I was right. I was, I, I became confident that it will, it might not see the light. Yeah. But then we kept believing actually me and the producers that somebody will believe in it somebody will 
will will uh, uh, give us this chance. Uh, and Toronto uh, did that actually. يعني ما بدي أحكي عشان أصحح ما مش ما ما صرنا ما صرت confident بس بالdistribution. أكدت أكدت إنه الفيلم عامل الخوف لإلهم إذا نحكي الفير ما كان عندي كان عندهم عند العالم. This fear wasn't from my side because at the end of the day I'm just telling a true story. Yeah. Telling no, the truth, the history of my people, you know. So this is not scary. This is not. I shouldn't be afraid to do this. But they are afraid of hearing the truth. Yeah, and you were kind of just concerned about them being so afraid to the point where they might not distribute your film or show your film, or worse yet, telling you to take out certain scenes that you think are pivotal to the story. Yeah, I mean, this never happened because before that, when I had a, a draft. When Farha was still a script in film festivals and in film markets, some people would come to me and tell me, remove this scene, the killing scene, and it will reach to places. But if you keep it, it will go nowhere. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm glad you kept it <laughs> because it made it made the film what it is. Um, let's go into a little bit about the, uh, like you said, you are, you made the film for artistic purposes. You're, it's not a political, uh, film and you're not a politician. Let's go into that a little bit. So in creating the character arc for Farha and for, for her, the main character, what, t- take us through the filmmaking process for this, because you were telling a story that is based on true events. However, at the same time, you have to, um, create, you know, a dramatize a character arc for, for the, the, the main character how do you stay true to the events that happened uh while trying to dramatize a film to make it a good film like what is was it difficult in this situation or actually i i started because as as you said it, it is our responsibility to talk about 1948 and palestine in general so what i did is i did a lot of research i read a lot of books uh, references heard oral history i met people who witnessed the Nakba did my homework to make sure that everything is, is like the, the historical facts are all true. But after that, I, I took some like a break, some time to focus on the creative part and then to, to, to focus on the, the journey and the world of Farha. I, I gave myself, myself this distance, yani straight space to yeah. feel with her and live this journey in the writing and, and uh, I, like I chose different moments, real moments from from history, from oral history, and gathered them together and put them and patched them together to create the world of Farha. So everything was based on true event or story. But I chose what adds to the story to make it more uh, to dramatize, as you said, the story. Yeah. And so during the research, is that when you found the story, or was this a story that you knew of, like? A long long before you started writing no actually it's it's um the, the, like it all started with a setup Nadia, uh, uh, the girl who got locked up in a room by her father because he was worried that she will be killed or raped or so he kept her in the room and he promised that he will be back but he never does and this is a true story that you heard, that had been passed on to you correct? yes when i was a child i heard this story from my mother who met the real character uh, my syrian mother and she told me the story when I was a child and it stayed with me and I was claustrophobic also. This is why I kept thinking about this part specifically, what happened inside the room. And this is why I decided to make most of the film happens in, in this room. So, um, yeah, and then I started adding from, again, everything that I heard 
growing up about Palestine, about the suffering of the Palestinians throughout the years since 1948. And I yeah. put everything together. And of course, so of, of course, I, I, I wanted to I wanted to add this fictional stuff like her friend Farida, who wasn't part of Radia's story or journey, but I wanted to make it more real. And um, it, it was like a, a daughter father relationship okay. and a coming of age. Yeah. I felt like another girl uh, friendship uh, separation. Would add. So I added these elements. I always said that Farha is a film about friendship, love, separation, yeah. aspiration, rite of passage, and liberation in the face of loss. Because, so from these words, yeah. I created the story of Farha around this setup. Because when you watch it, it's a coming-of-age story during a war. And essentially, the goal of her going to study was never met. Actually, it was never even... It never even started, right? So she didn't even start that journey. I thought while I was watching it, spoiler alert a little bit, but like, it's okay, you guys can go watch it. Basically, when she was saying that, oh, she got her, you know, the certificate to the approval to go and study, I thought the movie was going to begin while she was studying somewhere. And then everything, like the echoes of the war is going to haunt her and she's going to have to come back. What made you decide for her to stay with her father? Because um, this is the life of the Palestinians. Their dreams, their lives are interrupted, are, are, are crushed. Um, and now her dream, education, which is a basic right, is not a priority anymore. She has to forget about her dream now and focus on uh, staying alive and, and um, uh, sticking to her father. Uh, I mean... This is exactly how Palestinians are still living until today, every day. So I wanted to to see how everything was stolen from her, uh, her dream, but also her friend uh, who was very attached to, like they were very attached to each other, and she was like they were stolen from each other, from each other because of this occupation and the Nakba. That's also an artistic choice why I wanted her to to stay. Yeah, no, it was interesting. I was like, okay, why did she decide to make her stay rather than make her? Because she, you know, your your story could have started somewhere else. So, um, no, I love that. I love that she stayed in then because then she had the journey inside the room, and that was that was the main that was important. That was the main chunk of the the film where she witnessed all the horrific things that she witnessed. Yeah, but also, um, as I said before, it's a father, it's a daughter father relationship film. So. Um, and also it shows uh, her character and that she loves her father, although they had like some disagreements, but she loves him and she wants to, she can't see him when he's weak and the, the head, um, uh, what he's wearing on his head folds, she can't see him broken because he's always strong. And so she can't see him. And this is also like who she is, Farha. She's tender. She's, um, uh, she loves her father and he's the only thing left after her. Mothers that that we don't see, but in the backstory, yeah. yeah. I just want to also talk about um, the uncle, the uncle character. Um, did you ever get backlash about his character? Because I know that you know he was a traitor essentially. Did you ever get any like comments about him being a traitor? Actually, not rarely. Uh, I got some questions, but not nobody was upset about it. But they had questions. Some people had questions about it because I think the intention of the film is very clear. So they could feel and see that it's like the director is well intended. So we have like to ask her and understand. So I got uh, uh, a question about this before. And uh, I I always said that 
you know, when I was also going to film markets, I I got from, especially from um, the West again, people would ask me, why are you upset? Some uh, Palestinians sold uh, the land, they collaborated. So, uh, and they mentioned the Kis al It's a non-character. It existed. We have to say that this character existed and I was asked about this character. I decided to put this character in the film because I wanted to give answers that he was forced. He was forced to collaborate. And even while he is collaborating, he was telling them, you promised me no woman, no children. You said you want the, you want, you're looking for the weapons. But also this character would add to the, the, the emotional journey of Farha because of course. She's yeah. experiencing like betrayal. She's she's experiencing betrayal for the first time by someone who she trusted before and who wanted her to achieve her dream, who, who was supporting her. So this shock also makes her feel somehow that maybe this room is safer for me than the outside. So you, you created something quite difficult. I mean, it, because this was a period piece. This was not, you know, filmed in like... Um... I'm not sure if you've watched the film Ajami, which is like in uh, set in Palestine. It's, it's but it's kind of real time, real present day uh, life. You chose uh, to film yours in 1948. I mean, how difficult was that? Was that um, was it hard to secure funding for that? Actually, it's uh, it's a good question because, as I said before, uh, making a film about Palestine is a responsibility by itself. And also creating or, or recreating 1948 is a huge responsibility because people are like, costumes. So I made sure that everything is, for example, the, one of the first departments that started was costume. You know, I talked to Jamila Aladdin, the costume designer, and we started early on, like a year before, to talk and discuss the tatriz and the the every city and every community what they were working So I did a lot of research. It wasn't yeah. easy, of course, but but I didn't want to disappoint people who are waiting to see Palestine in 1948. But at the same time, if you, if you if you saw the film, there are not many scenes that you see this, but in Farha's costume, I made, like I put effort in, in the details, Yani. It really took me, because I've, I've never, yeah, I've never seen that. That's why I'm saying, like every Palestinian film that I've watched, it's, it's or documentary has been in real time. It, it took me back, but I've never been in that era. So it was like really, really something special. You you felt like you were taken back in time. Yeah, but come on. Yasmin, it's important on, uh, to me to show that, uh, especially the embroidery, it's full of life and colors. And I wanted to show, uh, especially in the opening scene, if you remember the girls uh, with, the, with the colors. Uh, I remember somebody told me once also, I think maybe in Toronto, that when I like the film started and I saw the girls and the faces, like different beautiful faces with the colors, I was struck with something new that I... I didn't expect Palestine back then looked like that. So I wanted to show that Palestine and the Palestinians had lives and um, it was full of like, it was rich with colors and life. And it was also normal, you know, people had dreams to go to school. Um, there was that, that normalcy doesn't exist anymore as you know it. So 
the casting, how did you manage to cast the main character? Because that must have been difficult. You're you're casting someone who's going through puberty in some way. She is, you know, young, but also has to have that like strength. How how did you cast Farha? Actually, it's a it's a long journey. And I always uh, told the producers it will be a long journey. So I need to see like many girls to to like because I can I can feel uh, if this is Farha or not uh, yeah. when I see it. And 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 at some point I found a girl and I trained her for a while. But then, as you said, because it's a sensitive also role, she was a bit young. Like I trained her for maybe five months or six months, but then I felt that she's too young for the role. So I had to look for another girl. And then I found uh, Farha Karam. Um, And actually the audition was, she was very shy and she didn't act before. So she was, but, but I loved how she looked very innocent and her face was very, like sometimes you feel that she's a woman, she's a little woman, a young woman. And then sometimes she's she's a child. I love this about her and her eyes were very expressive. And I said, okay, audience would love to stay with her. So I had to work with her for like also five months to train her and uh, her and Farida. And and by the way, I found Farida before Farha. Oh, really? How did you know she, how did you know she would be the friend? Like how? I knew because I had a very specific, while writing, I can imagine the characters and I knew Farida. And when I saw her, I found her like maybe two years before the shooting. And I told her, okay, let's stay in touch. And then every while and then I give her some uh, trainings and exercises just to like to keep her in the mood. And after a year and a half, we found uh, Farha. So I I let them meet, and I wanted to see how the chemistry between them and to, to create this friendship. Uh, so we had the workshop uh, for them together and, and, and that's how it happened, actually. I have a cute story for the for the casting. You know, Abu Muhammad yeah, and Abu Muhammad. I always, while writing, imagined Majd playing uh, Abu Muhammad, Majd Eid, and Samira Asir playing uh, Umm Muhammad. Uh, but they never met. So I asked them okay. to come to pass by the office for an audition. So they came and they were like pre- prepared for the audition. And then I told them, okay, can you just stand next to each other and just chat? And they started talking and I said, okay, let's try the Palestinian uh, dialect. And they started chatting and I felt, I told them, okay, you have chemistry and you're a great match. And after a week and, and, and after a few months, they got engaged and next week it's their wedding. No way. Oh, wow. <laughs> so basically you set them up. <laughs> La. People will start going on your film sets now. You should put, no, yeah, maybe I'll meet someone. <laughs> Darin, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, this was a great conference, conversation. Congratulations on all the, the accolades that you have from this film. I hope more people watch it. And good luck with your next endeavors. Do keep us posted. And hopefully I'll have you back on for your next film. <laughs> <laughs>